Hey, hey, this is your boy Fonzo back again for another episode of The Clinic. Listen to this. I died a thousand deaths over and over again. I succumbed to the one who desired to live more than I. So I breathed my last breath as one does who was about to die. As I died and the light of life dimmed in my eyes, much to my surprise, I realized that again I would rise. I'd be born again as the new me, newly alive, seeing life through new eyes, a new philosophy, a new belief, a stress relief. As old things passed away, the new me walked at the dawn of a new day. And in a new way, I lived. Little did I know, 999 more times this was the road I'd find. I died a thousand deaths. Was this real life or is it just my mind? I died a thousand deaths. All right, so that's how we open up today's episode. Just a little poem I wrote just a few minutes ago, actually. But uh, the concept is not new. I say it all the time. I died a thousand deaths. And this is what it might take for you to have a happy marriage, a happy relationship. And that's what today's episode is about. How do we survive in marriage? Sometimes you got to die to self for the love or for the benefit of someone else. There's a sacrifice that occurs if you want to have a happy relationship, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of people make that sacrifice but it's only one way, and that's kind of like abuse. You know, uh, you're lonely when that type of thing happens, but um, you got to believe that you have enough understanding to eventually determine if you're getting any reciprocity in the relationship. Because, yeah, maybe you do have to get out of that relationship. If you're the only one dying in the relationship, that's going to look a whole lot like abuse. It seems like you're sacrificing or, you know, dying to self. But the other person never does that. Uh, and again, that's going to look a whole lot like abuse. But when some reciprocity happens, what you'll see is if you look on the other side of the aisle, you'll find out that that other person is dying to self too. There are some things that they are changing, some things that they are rearranging. Because just like that poem that I just wrote and read, it's something that we struggle with, you know, maybe there's a part of us uh, we're going through. Maybe we got some deep belief that we brought into the marriage or the relationship way before the relationship began because we all have family cultures and we got beliefs. You know, uh, somebody believes that the man is the head and there's no other way. Uh, somebody believes in what I call a, um, a symmetrical relationship, which is more like Heathcliff and Claire, the Cosbys, they kind of did things together. It was not a head, so to speak, depicted on that show. Whereas the other type of relationship is called a complementary relationship, more like the old school mom-pa. Both of these relationship styles can work as long as there's agreement. That's the key. What do you agree on? So you can agree that the man is the head of this household and the final decisions come through him. Uh, and I'll yield to him. That That's a complementary relationship, and uh, it works if you agree. But the other relationship works too, which is 
yeah, we're going to come to the table. We're going to talk it out. We're going to work it out. And uh, we're going to come to agreement together. Uh, we're equals. And uh, that can work just as long as there is some agreement. has to be some yielding. But uh, overall, like I said, you have to be willing to die to self. And I've done that a lot of times in my own relationship, uh, which is why, you know, just looking at some of these these sentences in this poem uh, over and over again, I succumb to the one who desired to live more than I. So who is that person? It's the new me. The new version of me wants to live more than the old version of me. Like the old version is giving out. Uh, and the old version is something like, uh, uh, again, let's just say, that my old philosophy is that I go to work. And, uh, and so my wife was, uh, she worked from home. She was a consultant. And so the old version, my old philosophy says, I will say what I want done and I will pass that uh, to my wife and she will pass that along to the kids. But what happens is if I find that there's some discrepancy in what I said, you know, whether she's intending to do that or not, but if there's some type of discrepancy and now I'm seeing some type of rift between me and the kids or between me and her, I'm beginning to realize that that method doesn't work. And so a struggle takes place. You know, I'm fighting for my life. I'm wrestling like Jacob wrestling God. And I'm just trying to get this situation taken care of. But uh, if I see that my wife is fighting back and the kids are fighting back and I'm beginning to see, okay, we're coming to a stalemate because that happens a lot of times in your relationship. You come to a stalemate or a tie and there's a standoff, so to speak. And the question becomes, is your relationship or your marriage worth that standoff? Because if you're not backing down and the other person not backing down, you're just like, man, where do these people come from? What kind of rebellion and stubbornness is this? You know, and I remember there were some times where I was like, man, this can't be God. This can't be God's best. I don't deserve this. I know that I'm making sacrifices. I know that I've made a lot of sacrifices. I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for this family. And I felt like it was some times where it was just like, man, it's, and I know that I'm not loved. I can't be loved. I know that I'm not honored and respected. Let me just walk away. And again, it's not even that the my family or my wife is doing something intentional. It's just a standoff. At that point, if it seems like nobody's going to back down, you could actually walk away because people have done it before. Or you could determine, is it worth it that I do that? Or should I walk away from myself? Should I abandon my beliefs? What's going to be the biggest risk and what's going to be the biggest benefit? And I'm just telling you that there's been a lot of times where I've walked away from myself. And... It was a risk because you risk losing yourself when you walk away from yourself. You know, you got this belief, you got this philosophy that this is the way it should be done because many times I did feel like I knew better. You know, my wife was coming from an only child background, whereas I come from two or three generations of huge families. So I got a good idea about boundaries. I got a good idea about when a boundaries happen, when it's not happening. A good idea about, you know, uh, um, a leadership structure, uh, uh, hierarchy uh, uh, of who's who's on top, who's not, what authority, or like all of that stuff, I had an idea, but it's just an idea. And who says that my way is the perfect way or the right way? Who says that the only child 
doesn't have the right way or a better way, who says that all my understanding was the right thing to do. Uh, and so, you know, I had to evaluate that stuff. And then there was a lot of times where I just said, you know, there's a standoff. And I really felt like, man, my wife is just straight bullheaded. Like she's a rebel. It's got to be the devil. <laughs> but still, I determined, is it worth me losing my relationship? And I decided to begin to back away from my philosophy. And as that was happening, it felt like there was a part of me that was dying. It, it felt like there was a part of me who was trying to hang on like in pride and in dignity and in respect and regard. Like, don't you regard yourself, man? Don't you respect yourself? Don't you have any dignity or pride? You're going to sit there and roll over and take that. Get up, man. Get off the ground. But I didn't. And it wasn't because I was some type of punk and I was just going to roll over what they used to call henpeck back in the days. But it was a conscious decision to just say it's not worth my relationship. There's something to be learned. I can make this sacrifice. And I began seeing that part of me, that old me, begin to fade away, that philosophy, because it has to fade away. It has to die. Because I'm just telling you, if you keep it, there's going to be some bitterness on the other end of it. I'm going to hate her or my children. And that's a strong word. You know, I probably wasn't going to hate them, but I'm saying I was going to be really resentful of her or my children or, or, or other family members because I'm still like in the family, but I still believe what I used to believe. And those two things can't coexist. I'm going to keep that bitterness the whole time. So the only way to move forward without having bitterness is the old me has to die and a new me has to live. And so I began to believe a new thing and then put that old thing to death. So the new thing begins to be, I'm just going to, you know, if my wife, she thinks that this is the better way, um, that's how I stay in this relationship. You know, maybe it works out for me in the long run. Maybe God is looking out for me. Maybe it'll pay off. And so that old version of me, which was pretty cool. You know, I felt like uh, I'm not the worst guy on the planet. I could easily be in the top 10% of boyfriends and husbands and, and friends and stuff like that. You know, I don't have a bad record. If you were to track me down and ask anybody, anybody you research who I am from kindergarten to now, most people would tell you good things. It's very rare that I've ever burnt any bridge. And so we're not talking about a bad guy, a loser. We're talking about a really great guy that a lot of people would love to be with, that uh, a new wife would love to be with. I guess I can go get some new daughters. They would love to be with, have me as a father or husband. And so it's not a bad guy that's dying. But I'm saying if I let that guy live and I take him forward, it's really going to be hard and I'm going to resent my family. So that version of me definitely had to die. And the new way of thinking becomes, you know, we're good. Um, you know, we'll try it your way and we'll just see how this works. We'll, we'll make this work, you know. And that's the whole concept of the poem, you know, I died a thousand deaths. You know, it says, as I died and the light of life dimmed in my eyes, much to my surprise, I realized that again, I would rise. See, I didn't know that the first time I died to self, I just felt like 
I'm going to lose a part of me. But I never knew that on the other side of me dying itself, when I rose, I was going to be stronger, newer, better, new growth. My job was simply not to bring the scar tissue from the old me ahead with the new me because that was going to cause triggers and trauma in my relationship. And then uh, again, I'm going to bring some bitterness with me. It says, I'd be born again as the new me, newly alive, seeing life through new eyes, a new philosophy, a new belief, a stress relief. See, it was stress-free because I let the old me die. I didn't carry that weight anymore. As old things passed away, that's what I didn't carry that weight anymore. It says, the new me walked at the dawn of a new day and in a new way. I lived Little did I know, though, 999 more times, this was the road I find. And all that meant was the very first time I died to self, I didn't know that I would have to practice a lifestyle of dying to self. And this is the only way that a long-term committed marriage or relationship would work. I would have to practice a lifestyle of dying to self. And that's why I say I've died a thousand deaths because at this point, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years in and really more than that because I've been knowing her longer than that. You know, and I think about, you know, I, I got my iPad in front of me and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, you know, a comic book character named Wolverine. And uh, it talks about Wolverine's strengths and his, his weaknesses. And uh, Wolverine, one of his strengths is he has a healing factor. A healing power and that's kind of what we need to be in a relationship when he got beat up real bad cut up uh, stabbed shot all that stuff he just healed he would regrow he would heal and so when you die <laughs> these thousand deaths you got to have the ability to make a comeback you got to have a healing factor and it's got to be a real healing factor so part of that means you got to let it go unfortunately one of uh, Wolverine's, it's listed as his strength and his weakness. He had uh, a psychological uh, uh, mental healing power. But really, because I'm a licensed counselor, what I know is that also means that he was suppressing things. So he wasn't really, he, that's the one area he was not healed in. Physically, he always healed back up. But you need to heal completely. See, underneath there, he suppressed who he was. So all the pain of his past, it was still underneath there. And all we need at that point is a trigger to make him totally lose his head or lose his cool. That's what will happen to you if you hold on to what was. And so you truly have to die to self. If you do not let it go, I promise you the trigger will come and you won't even know what to do with it. So part of that, I would say two steps. One, you know, uh, me being a, a godly person, I just take it to God. That's at least one one thing. But uh, another thing is you got to practice healing, man. You got to practice it. I say you got to practice healing. And the reason, you know, and I know you never heard it that way, but what I mean by that is triggers are very real. So if you got something in you, when a trigger happens, it comes to to the surface, it comes to the top. So you actually have to practice 
how should you respond to a trigger? And so what you practice is you practice how the healed version of you should respond. You don't leave it to chance. You don't just sit around and wait on the trigger to happen because that's not being proactive. You ask yourself right now, how should I respond if I'm healed, if this situation comes up or something would trigger me in this area? And then you practice that. You practice it all the time. Just like a wrestling move. My wrestling coach used to say, uh, you got to practice live. You got to practice fast because that's what, what it's going to be in the match. You don't have time to think when the match happens. You just got to have muscle memory. You just got to do it and watch yourself do it. Just be there at, at that point. But you do that because you've gotten in all this practice. And so what I'm saying to you is uh, dying to self is a lifetime Thing in order to make your relationships work. Uh, and then also uh, practice uh, responding from a perspective of being healed. So even though you're feeling something different because your trigger says, knock the hell out of somebody. Your trigger says, be depressed. Your trigger says, be worried. Your trigger says, leave the house, go drinking, go smoking, uh, fight somebody, do something stupid. Your trigger says, get in the car and drive down the highway at 200 miles per hour. Do something risky and stupid because your life doesn't matter and nobody else's does. I'm isolated. I'm alone. That's what your trigger says. But I'm telling you that you have to do the opposite. And that's difficult to do if you're not practicing it on a regular basis. So, yes, practice being healed. In other words, practice responding to triggers in a healed way. So if you got nothing else out of uh, this first 17, 18 minutes of, uh, of this episode, it's understanding that you, too, might have to die a thousand deaths. But. If you do not practice uh, being healed, practice responding to triggers, then you will never live the thousand lives to come out of the thousand deaths because that's the whole key. Just like Jesus died, what's the point of him dying if he never ascended, my friends? You got to ascend. Otherwise, there is no purpose for death. You got to take the sting out of death by ascending and see I felt bad when I was dying to self because I'm like, man, I just really don't feel the love for my wife. I don't feel that she's loving me like I want to be loved. She's understanding me like I want to be understood and she can't possibly care. You know, I felt that way at times over the years because it's been it's been a lot. Do you know how much scar tissue can build up over 23 years? And so it's a lot of people in relationships just like that. And the scar tissue is building. But man. You got to be like a surgeon. The scalpel has to always be nearby. Every opportunity that you get to scrape out a little scar tissue and not let that stuff build, you scrape it out because that's what being healed looks like. You scrape it out by talking. You scrape it out by praying. You scrape it out by reflecting. Don't suppress the things that have happened to you, but instead feel them. Try to understand them. And I'll tell you something else, you know, some of these psychologists and uh, different therapists talk about the inner child. I'll tell you this. Let's just say that you've been in your relationship for, you know, seven, eight years. Something happened to you in year one or year two that has caused some really bad scar tissue. Uh, something that does not feel like good health or healing. 
I challenge you to open that wound back up. If you can handle it, if you can't, then I, I challenge you to go get you a friend or a therapist, somebody to talk to about this, a pastor or something. But if you think, you think about it, who you are today is not who you were five, 10 years ago. You might actually have the maturity and the ability to take yourself back to that moment and ask yourself, how would I respond to it right now? And I'm telling you that that might just be the first step to your healing. So um, that's pretty much all I have for today. This has been a short episode of the clinic. You know, I just don't want you to, uh, you know, I want you to find your strengths more than your weaknesses. I didn't even get into uh, more of Wolverine's weaknesses. One of his weaknesses is he drowns. He can drown. I don't want you to drown in pain. I don't want you to drown in the old things that happened to you, the things that happened in 92, 95, and 2015, because you're supposed to be growing past it. You're supposed to be living past it. You know, uh, did you did you actually die to self or, or are you just stuck in some type of zombie-like state? And even if you did die to self, which means you let that stuff go, did you come back to life? Were you born again? Was there a new version of you? Because again, what's the point in uh, a death? What's the point in a crucifixion if there is no resurrection? There's no ascension. There's no hope if there's no resurrection. No hope if there's no ascension. So let there be a risen you. Let there be a risen you. If you're still down, then rise at this time. And if you're still struggling, let that part die so you can rise. Be a seed, be planted so that you can uh, you can sprout and rise. And so hopefully I didn't lose you too much with all the, the poetry and the metaphors and analogies and stuff uh, in this session today. But as I told you, you know, when you're listening to me on the clinic, you're going to get a little bit of the spiritual, a little bit of the clinical, uh, a little bit of the poetical, metaphorical. And every now and then, some food, but we'll get to the food, but most of it will all have something to do with relationships. You got any questions or comments, uh, you know, let me know, get at me some type of way. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at VineLife21. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, you can find me just about anywhere. So once again, thank you for listening. This is your boy, Fonzo. I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode of The Clinic. All right. Bye-bye.